Welcome to Show Us Your Bits podcast. It's season three. This is the podcast about the stories behind the jewellery and the keepsakes we love. Each week we talk to storytellers, makers, artists, founders and entrepreneurs about their most loved treasures. I'm Alice Rivers-Cripps, the founder and creative director of Posh Totty Designs, the original hand-stamped jewellery company, and we're celebrating our 20th year this year. Oh, Alice, that's great. And I'm Josie Lloyd, an author of novels like The Cancer Ladies Running Club and Life Saving for Beginners, as well as parodies and screenplays. But most of all, Alice, I love a good natter. So do have a listen and please do like, rate, review and share with your friends. And please get in touch with us on Instagram or Facebook at Show Us Your Bits Podcast if you have an interesting piece of jewellery or an anecdote you'd like to share. Let's get on with the show! All right, Alice, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How's your week been? Oh, I've had a great week. I had a Barbie party on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I saw um, you a bit pink. You were going a bit pink-themed. <laughs> but pink I thought you'd see, Had you seen Barbie? I had seen Barbie, but I was not sure I liked it the first time I watched it, so I needed to watch it again. So you needed a party for this. This is I very te- typically, typically <laughs> Alice. Okay. Um, and so I invited some friends over and we all watched it together. And actually, I did like it. So initially I didn't like it, but this time I did like it and I understood it a lot more and there was a lot more to it. And I thought it was really well done and it was really funny. Um, my only scene that I wasn't sure about was when the president, the female president in Barbie land, yeah. at the end, says no to Ken joining oh. the jury. Oh. And that kind of worried me because I feel like we want equality, but by saying that, she was saying, no, I'm going to keep you down, Ken. I'm going to keep you down. And I'm like, but surely what we're fighting for is to have rights as a woman. So Yes. And to have both... If it's reversed, yeah. we surely we want equal, you know, yeah. we want everything to be equal. So I found that one quite a difficult one to understand. Whereas everything else about the fa- film I thought was just really funny and great. And I kind of got it and it, I didn't take it quite so seriously this time. <laughs> Well, you saw it with your sons last time, didn't you? And they loved it. So I walked out. Did they, did, they like, did they like it the second time around? Well, they so they loved it the first time around, and so did my husband. And I was like watching it, feeling that they were going to hate it because it was man hating. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this because I want to bring up these bring up these sons, and I want them to understand that they've got to, you know, that women are just as important as they are, but that there isn't a gender difference that yeah. we're all the same yeah and so I kind of wanted them to kind of see that and and so I was so aware of everything because it was very girly and I'd been brought up by my mum who was very anti-Barbie um when I was growing up she was very much like oh no we don't want Barbie dolls around you know it's like she was a feminist a strong feminist so I was kind of all that in my head but then I watched it this time and I loved it ah well interestingly this dovetails very nicely into this week's episode because we have somebody here our lovely guest Jess Rad who is all about female empowerment and she runs the most incredible business called The Womanhood. You're going to love her views on feminism, on empowering women, on bringing women together. So should we get her on? I'm very excited. Jess Rad, welcome to (laughs) Show Us Your Bit. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really lovely to have you here. Can you tell us and your listener, and our listeners a little bit about The Womanhood and why you set it up? Yeah. So The Womanhood was born out of a desire to connect women through the unspoken challenges of womanhood. 
I realised some years ago that many of us are going through similar challenges, but it, I realised often behind closed doors and sometimes on the same street. So weirdly, I kind of set up by accident uh, a community of about 300 women called the Port Hall Ladies Club here in Brighton. Wow. Um, which I didn't know was going to be become a thing. It was just a yeah, it's just a That's WhatsApp amazing. group that um, I brought some people, about nine women together one evening because nobody knew each other in the area, and that grew basically. Everyone came out and said, "Wow, this is amazing! Do it again!" So we came back. It was fifteen people next time, and then next time it grew and grew, and I held monthly meetups for about a year or two but as this group grew online the physical meetups kind of diminished because people thought there's going to be 100 people in the pub and I don't really fancy that <laughs> that's my idea of like heaven but for most yeah. people it's like oh, I don't really fancy that so it kind of perplexed me that I thought we're confusing digital interaction now with human connection like the online version was kind of serving a great purpose and it's become an amazing hive mind for women in the community and anyone that moves to the area gets added and it's I got called by a, an accountant the other day, the uh, responsible for half the economic activity in Brighton, because there's so much of an exchange between women about who to use that oh, wow. so many people get loads of business, people have That's found brilliant. jobs yeah, and homes and all sorts. That was one of the seeds, I suppose, like creating that community and then thinking it was perplexing me that, like, yeah, how can I make it more purposeful to bring people together in person. Coupled with that, I had a miscarriage uh, when I, uh, about 2011, and as many of us know now, that's a really common thing. You know, one in four pregnancies end in Sadly, miscarriage. Yeah, yeah. But my experience at that time, at the age of 30, I think I was, was not knowing anybody. And I was working for a film studio at the time and I had a couple of weeks off and it was a very dark time. And I, when I started to share that story, kind of out of the woodwork, all these women came with a little Me Too movement. And I was yeah. like, what? I felt simultaneously so grateful that people would share their stories with me because I felt like the only one but also quite furious that we weren't talking about this and I've been left on my yeah. own anyway those were some seeds I suppose uh, and then I finally <laughs> in 2019 my period stopped so I had a 26 day cycle and I suddenly went 45 days without a period and this was quite alarming for me and I remember having a powerful conversation with my most spiritual friend at the time and kind of in horror that my body wasn't yeah. working. And she said very calmly, well, it makes sense, Jess, you're in limbo in your work. So I knew I wasn't on the right path there. And you're in limbo in your marriage because that wasn't going very well. And now your body's in limbo. And I just thought, yeah, that makes total sense. It was like the universe had done everything else to tell me, tell you. you've got <laughs> to change, <laughs> Jessica, wake up. And so I did. I quit my job with nothing to go to. I was running an animation studio and building a brand strategy consultancy and had two kids at home. And That's yeah, so quit with nothing to go to. And then I think I had the space, you know, yeah. it's like clearing the garden of the weeds. Suddenly there was this space for me to just think, oh, what is it? What is it? And I had no idea. And then somehow brought together seven um, seven women, one of which is Di, who works for you, Alice, She's <laughs> in <amazing>. the original <laughs> team. Um, wow. And within six weeks, created a brand, created an event series called The Unspoken Sessions, and the womanhood was, was born like Which that. Fabulous. Wow. I'm just like, there's so many bits I want to delve into. I'm just like, uh, where do we start? Um, in terms of your body, did it get back into a rhythm? Then did you Yes, find that well, that's a good question. So that was the beginning of my journey of finding out that I was going to get diagnosed with premature menopause. So I didn't know. I'm also know. Over the same. Ah, yeah. you're in that. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even know about menopause. This is pre-Tavina, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. pre-menopause revolution that we find ourselves in. 
I didn't, hadn't even really heard of the term perimenopause. That was totally alien to me. I was 37 at the time. I, so I then kind of went on a journey which led me to, you know, have the blood tests, go and see gynaecology and have my ovaries checked and all the rest of it. And I was, then it, it did lead to an important conversation, which I always try and share, which is my mum, I'm the eldest of six. So I asked my mum, when did you go into menopause? And she went, can't remember, because I was six kids and I was like, fair play. <laughs> but my grandma, her mother, went into menopause at 40. Okay. And taking wow. that vital bit of information back to gynaecology and my GP meant that I was more susceptible to be going into premature menopause. It's the same with birth. Did you know that no, you, I didn't. You, follow, you generally follow what your mother, that was the same birth as your mother. So my mother was a cesarean, like I ended up oh. having me through cesarean after a really stressful, anxious birth. Yeah. And then they didn't listen to me in that. But then I went 25 hours of a really terrible labour and oh. then a cesarean. Oh. And I was a bit like, if only you'd, and then you speak to so many people and they say yeah, the same, same. thing. Wow. And then you actually follow what your mother does. So That's extraordinary. And you, you know, you can't, it's amazing that doctors are starting to listen now, but they yeah. probably weren't back in 2008. No. So it's Just shows of, the importance of having that conversation though, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily in yeah. our kind of... But my mum didn't know either when I talked about menopause. Oh, really? <laughs> she didn't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know, and I never really knew whether I was going through it or not. You know, it was like really kind of chilled. I was like, yeah. okay, I know. Yeah, <laughs> how amazing. So you're facilitating a lot of these incredible conversations now yeah. with women, bring, drawing people together and people obviously feeling not so alone. Tell us a bit about Unspoken Women. What's, what's yeah. that sort of strand? So I'd started these event series and they were in person. That's what I really wanted to do was bring people together, mm. breathe the same air and create that connection. And then COVID happened. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, everyone was putting their businesses online. I really didn't want to build any kind of online business, but I'd already had the next session created, which was called Reframing Resilience. And it was with two speakers then. One was um, a mindset and coach, and the other was an immunologist looking at it from a physiological perspective. And I remember sat on my doorstep, because that's all you could do in lockdown, and having a chat with a friend. And she said, Jess, women are in quarantine right now. And they need resilience and connection like never before. You've got to do this. And I was like, oh, okay. So I signed up to Zoom. And in doing that, I realised, okay, I'm going to have to get present on Instagram, which I hadn't done at all. And I was going to have to get visible online. And at that point, I had a private Instagram account, you know, and it all felt a bit terrifying. And so I realised I had to show up. And so Unspoken Women Live was born, which was an Instagram series, which I did consistently for every week for six months did 26 conversations in a row talking to talented women about the unspoken challenges of womanhood so from confidence to sex to money all sorts of all sorts of areas of our life and that is now being transferred to a podcast because so many people would stop me in the street and go last night's was so good (laughs) I was like okay this is having an impact yeah and you I mean so you spoke to a whole variety of women that basically were sharing what they were going through from like pension I mean like it wasn't just all the kind of no, menopause stuff it no was... no it wasn't I did I have done loads on menopause because I suddenly got into well, that menopause yeah, community because yeah. of my experience so there's a big menopause collection did on the website did you notice that when, well, just to um, rudely interrupt but when I went through menopause I found that I had never ever listened before or paid attention and it's a bit like when you get pregnant and suddenly you see buggies everywhere yeah. Yeah. it was the same thing like I'm now like oh my god it's everywhere yeah. but I, I hadn't noticed before at all yeah. so you do yes. tunnel vision you kind yeah. of you know and 
it's, it's quite it's amazing. In, well, it's There's interesting. a whole community. Yeah. And it's interesting, the messages that came out. I, I came at it from a slightly different point of view because I was thrown into a medically induced oh, yes. um, yeah. menopause after yeah. going through breast cancer treatment. So yeah. I was given a drug called tamoxifen, which is kind of an estrogen blocker. And so I was plunged overnight, hardcore, into hot sweats and all the rest of it and aching joints. But... Compared to going through cancer treatment, it was a breeze. Really? <laughs> wow. Like, well, that's well, so something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so actually, and so then I kind of, I saw lots of people kind of complaining about their symptoms. I'm like, get over it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. natural. You know, you are, you're doing it in a natural way. So yeah. I came at it in a slightly different way, yes. but it's great that everybody is oh, talking that's, that's about tough. it. Nice that um, it's just, yeah, exactly. That it is a topic of conversation with men and women. It's absolutely, just, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's quite interesting. Yeah, and I remember being told finally, it took about a year for me to get diagnosed with it in the end. Well, it wasn't necessarily going to happen. And they said, it could go either way. It depends a little bit on your lifestyle. And then I think COVID happened. And I think it was the stress of okay. lockdown of homeschooling two kids that suddenly like made it all happen. Anyway, um, when I finally got the call, I distinctly remember from the GP, I was so excited because it was like a... The answer. This is yeah. why I can't remember anything. I'm like filled with rage. I'm having panic attacks in the cupboard. You know, I'm like sweating <laughs> through the night. I'm having 10 hot flushes a day. Like, I can't f- remember how to spell the word sock. You know, I mean, yes. it was yes. <laughs> terrifying, um, really. And and so I remember leaving all these voice memos for people going, guess what? I'm in mean, premature menopause. Yay. They're like, oh, is this a good thing? You know, I'm like, no, it is. But that night I was interviewing, uh, I was doing an Unspoken Woman Live and it was about PMS and hormones coincidentally and uh, and again this was pre the revolution right so nobody was talking about it and I thought oh god I can't very well interview this woman and not share my own story I mean, it's called bloody unspoken women live you know yeah. <laughs> to be unspoken to try and lead by example but I could feel the shame of talking about that publicly like a physical presence because you know I'm 38 like I don't look like a menopausal woman like talking about no, it felt exactly. very uncomfortable but much like the most difficult things that we go through in our lives you know in doing that and sharing that I then got connected to the menopause community on Insta and met loads of founders in that space and yeah I've supported lots of women through it so yeah it's I feel impressive. really grateful amazing mm. that is amazing Jess what a what a wonderful thing and do you apart from the menopause are there any other big subjects that you find repeat over and over again in mm. Unspoken Women? What mm. do you think, as a kind of, what is challenging us? There's some biggies, like neurodiversity is a big one. There's obviously a swathe of women now finally getting identified, autistic, ADHD, because we've been benchmarked against all the male characteristics for a long time. There's been this gender bias and, you know, more girls are getting diagnosed and identified and that's resulting in the parents and and the mothers particularly going oh right wow this is me too so that's a really big one that I'm starting to focus on having recognized that in myself my daughter's Mm -hmm. autistic and I've um, recently done a private screening back in September and found I had really high ADHD traits wow yes and Um, how has that affected you having that kind of information oh my god it's life-changing because you, it's like you get to put on a whole new pair of glasses and you look back at your life and go, oh, wow. <laughs> it's like the missing piece of the puzzle. It's like the big one in the middle. This is why I was called lastminutejess.com all my life. This is why I lost my phone every time I would go back from uni and leave it in, you know, on the sofa or in the fridge. Or, you know, this is why I find the big vision really easy, but those breaking it down into steps really tricky. And, 
and also looking at your relationships you look at I looked at my marriage differently and yeah it really as you as I'm learning more about it and you hear what people say I mean I remember exploring it in the year before and doing the tests online and all high but you said send it to friends or family and people go oh yeah me too me too and you're like oh right okay maybe it's maybe it's not and then I delved into the Instagram universe of ADHD and I was just like is this not how everyone's brain works? This is, these are like my people. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been life-changing. Well, that's what I was going to say, is it's almost like a, a superpower in some ways, you know, the way your brain works. And if it makes you more chatty and it makes your brain function, I mean, like, would you look at it like that? Or, do you, or would you want to medicate to kind of yeah, it's a good change question. that? I mean, so I haven't got a full diagnosis yet because it's in some places in the country right now it's 19, 20 years to get an ADHD <gasps> diagnosis. Yeah. 20 years? Yeah. No. Yeah. Even down here it's several years in Brighton. And of course a private diagnosis is kind of a couple of grand. So that's why I did a screening and I specifically chose a psychologist who is very adept at looking at masking in women and girls because that's why it often gets... Um, overlooked as well. Certainly last year I was feeling extremely frustrated with my brain. I have gone through a bit of evolution in the last month even and I don't feel quite so like that actually but I, I can see why people would do it because it is you have an internal dialogue in your mind which I've heard from people that do take the meds they're like you know that voice in your head and I'm like mm-hmm. it's like it's quiet. Doesn't oh my God! But doesn't everybody have a voice in their head? Well, I don't know if it's as constant as an ADHD. Okay. So, my friend, <laughs> yes, my friend Lorelai is a, a comedian, and she's based in Brighton. But she's got oh, in. Yeah. Uh, she's been dealing with all of this, and particularly in comedy, and it's hilarious because I've been helping her edit a book, oh. and um, just reading about it and yeah. how how your mind jumps around, her mind jumps around. So it's amazing. It's, inc- yeah. it's incredible. So that's interesting. Yeah. So sort of that whole neurodiversity thing. And what about your daughter? Is that, that sounds like it's been quite a challenge. Yes. Not getting her identification, and I use that word rather than diagnosis because that makes it quite a medical thing. There's yeah. the you yeah. know, medical model versus the social model for my daughter. And finally, to get all of those in, I think it was 2021, we finally did that. And I... Yeah, managed to get her an education healthcare plan, which is a legal plan if you've got a child with additional needs. So that, and I took her out of mainstream school and put her in a speech and language unit in Lewis, first kid ever in Brighton to go to that school and, and secured her transport. And it's totally changed her life. Yeah, and it's a lovely school. Yeah, because it's a tight, a small environment. You know, if you if you struggle with if you've got a lot of sensory challenges, which a lot of neurodiverse people do, then being in a Victorian building with 30 children and lots of different varying needs, that's just not necessarily going to work. And particularly girls will just shrink, potentially be in that kind of fawn stress response. And, you know, needs get missed very easily. Obviously, resources and education and healthcare are very challenged at the moment so yeah I mean what I would say is I wouldn't be the woman I am today without my daughter I feel you know extraordinarily proud of her for all that she's navigated and and pretty proud of myself to be honest yeah Yeah, yeah, I really yeah it's completely transformed my life I am an unspoken woman because of that experience and that's a 10-year experience it's Um, also taken a lot of work as well it's literally been a full-time job at times, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It has been very intense. But I feel, you know, I feel very grateful to 
go through these challenges and then quite quickly you can just turn around and help the next person, you know, and and, yeah. and I'm part of a group. So you're almost learning yourself to then actually pass that information on to... Yeah, I always have that vis- vision of, you know, making your way through long grass in a field. You know, when you're the first one, it's really difficult, isn't it? You're forging the path. But as soon as you've done it, it's kind of crushed and you can go, come on, gang, this is the yeah, way. exactly. So, That's brilliant. Yeah. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Jess, you're here because we loved you to show us your bits. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, you have brought along some absolutely yeah. fabulous jewellery. Yes. This, this is my favourite bit. Can we talk about this lovely ring that you have on your yeah. finger? Maybe can you can you describe it for us? Yes. So it's a, a pretty chunky gold David Morris ring. So my dad gave me this for my 21st. Now he has told me that he's done, designed it for me all these years. When I quizzed him last week, he was like, well, you know, I chose how wide it was and I chose the stones and and all the rest of it but I don't know you necessarily sketched it anyway it's funny because all my sisters were like yes we're all gonna get one of these rings and then they didn't (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah I I wear it every day and the intention was that it's it could buy me a plane ticket home from wherever I was so it was in my stars that I'd be a traveler and I did travel around the world um for a year when I was in my 20s and so, and yeah, it was almost like a security. It, no, I don't think I wore it for that year, to yeah. be honest. I don't no. think you want to wear that in Cambodia. But, um, oh, yes. it's absolutely stunning. Yeah. And so it's got a giant citrine in the middle, hasn't oh, yes. it? And, yes. And topaz. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. It's a really stunning piece. I can imagine that you've... So you've worn that since you were... On and off. I mean, now I wear it for the last few years. I wear it every day because it's just the means I can't lose it. <laughs> If it's on me, I can't I lose agree. it. <laughs> I this, this was my, I've already talked about this on the show, but this was my mother's 21st. Oh. And she got given that on her 21st. And I've worn it because I, I believe you. Like, I totally yeah. agree yeah. that I end no, up I, losing I these to, things I if I don't have them. Yeah. And that's what I, I kind of love about jewellery, though, is that you yes. kind of, it feels like they're with you yeah, when you totally. wear it. So your dad's with you there. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, and then recently um, my mum got diagnosed with uh, stage 3 ovarian cancer. And so I dug out this ring that she bought me for my 18th, which is a gold ring with swirls on it. I don't know how do I... Yes, but that's what I realised. I have a see-swimmer. Yeah, that's what I've realised since. And so I I started to wear that, yeah, since October last year to kind of have her put put both my parents on, you know, keep them close to me. Yeah, sounds amazing. So in terms of your sea-swimming, I hear that Mm. you... Have you done some quite amazing... Well, yeah, so I found sea swimming in lockdown after a friend said it changes your life. And we, we did. met like we met, have, we met having a swimming, <laughs> sea swimming lesson during lockdown, didn't was we? Was it during lockdown? Yeah, it was just, oh, there, we had, there was a sea swimming lo- lesson thing. You know, you couldn't do anything. Yeah. The beach was this wonderful yeah. place that we went. Yeah. And I landed up writing a book, Life Saving yes, the Beginners, you did. About, about being on the beach yeah. because that's all we could do. And I met you, we had this wonderful sea swimming lesson. It was quite hard. It was quite hard. Was quite I found it really, I couldn't really swim then. And then you. <laughs> And then you announced, she went, oh yes, well I'm doing this amazing run swim thing. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was a real challenge to be in the cold water for me. Because I hate the cold and I don't swim. And even living in Brighton for eight years at that point, I wouldn't go in when it was hot. Like I literally would never go in the sea. Realising I'm probably quite sensory, that's why. I just have, My primary concerns are only hungry or cold wherever I go. Basically. Anyway, I found sea swimming and I did my first winter. And then I quickly realised this is not going to be challenge enough. I quite like a challenge. And that's right. My dad had put me in a room when I found out I was getting divorced. He said, right, you've got to think about your future self in five years time. And I was like, oh, I've got to think about tomorrow. And he kind of locked me in a room and I kind of put these 
bullet points together about different areas of my life. Um, on the fitness or health one was triathlon, which was hilarious because I don't run, swim or cycle. <laughs> um, but I shared that story and out of that I found swim run, which is a niche sport born in Sweden, which is when you alternate swimming and running lots of times. So you keep your clothes the same. So you swim in your trainers and you run in your wetsuit and you can oh, do wow. it around the world and do it. If you're really good, which I'm not yet, you swim from an island to another island. You run across the island, swim to another island. Oh my island. gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I did one in Isles of Scilly. I planted the seed with my sea swimming crew. We're called the early birds because we swim at 6.30 in the morning. Wow. And um, seven of us went to the Isles of Scilly for a, for a week. Yeah, and did an Attilo swim run together. The experience. Yeah. So it's Attilo like, is an actual thing? Attilo is a, a global organisation born in Sweden. Yeah, who create, who create them across the world. And Isles of Scilly was... Oh, a lot warmer been. than it is in Brighton. Yeah, no, I've, I've set a book there, but oh, I've actually never been. Oh, you've got to go. <laughs> it is like paradise. It's, you cannot believe it's England. It's extraordinary. I mean, this, the sea was cold because I think we went in June. So, you know, it's, the sea's warmest in September. So it was pretty cold in the water. Mm. But mm. it was like being in the Maldives. The, the sand is sparkly white powdery sand with beauty wow. like sea glass everywhere little bits of crab claws and beautiful shells and it's just a collection of little islands off the coast of cornwall so you can you can't take cars there it's really magical place yeah. can i come back to what you said jess about yeah. finding out about getting divorced yes it might be a bit of a personal <laughs> subject but that sounds like a bit of an odd way to phrase it <laughs> Well, um, I wasn't expecting to get divorced, really. I mean, I thought maybe that might be on the cards, but honestly, I thought it might be the me that have chosen it. So, yeah, my husband did decide in, in lockdown in January 2021 that it was the end of our yeah 15-year relationship at the time. So it did catch me by surprise, to be honest, but within 24 hours, I'd reconciled that it was a really courageous decision on his part, and I felt very grateful to him for, for doing making that hard choice. You know, when you've got children, it's not... Not an easy mm-hmm. decision. Were you in lockdown with him at this point when yes. you decided? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you weren't allowed to go anywhere, were you? No, you're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you weren't. I, I even remember thinking, I want to go and see my family at the weekend, but you weren't allowed to get in your car and drive anywhere, right? Yeah. You're supposed to be like, yeah, it was really challenging time. <laughs> uh, but you and you. But you basically decided to become friends or... So we nested for a year, which is when you keep the children and the family home, knowing that my daughter was autistic at that time. And my mm. therapist at the time said, oh, have you heard of this idea? It's a Dutch idea. But you keep the kids and the family home and you, you know, if you can, have another property and you both live there, but you alternate. So they're a bit like invisible flatmates that you don't see each other, which is... No, that's a good idea, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it makes it a smoother transition for your kids rather than suddenly them having to have two two homes, which is a big thing. And I think it probably eased it for all of us. It has its challenges because you're effectively still sleeping in the same bed with the same sheets. And we changed almost every night, every day where we were sleeping. So I felt like a snail. I had my everything in my backpack and I would be, you know, I got my steps up, that's for sure, because I was constantly walking between two homes. That was a bit, yeah, I felt like 30% of my brain was just going, where's my Mac? Where's my makeup? You know, where's this clothes, these clothes? But yeah, we did it for a and year. Really do proud. you feel now that you're through that kind of hard time or is it still quite... <laughs> well, I'm still going through divorce now, literally going through the divorce bit now. So we've been separated for three years. Um, and because of all the advocacy I've done for my daughter, I was like, I can only do one legal 
challenge at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah, is going to have to pause. Yeah. And I got very sick last year. I got a chronic ear infection that got into my skull and I had emergency <gasps> cranial surgery. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, with 12 hours notice. So yeah, they cut all around my ear here um, because it had got into my skull and they had to go in behind my eardrum to clear it out, which was quite a traumatic experience oh that sounds terrible that wasn't connected to the swimming no everyone said that no they still don't know why it happened actually i'm still not signed off by the surgeon i think it was sent for me i, I remember at the time thinking that like i was a toddler on a tricycle without any brakes going down a hill and at the bottom was a motorway and life was moving so fast mm. Yeah, And my nervous system was probably so dysregulated. It was like the universe went, I'm going to shove you off and you're going to go in the nettles and get a, your skull drilled. But actually it's better than what would have been at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Tell us about this lovely other ring that you wear. This one, yeah. this beautiful, mm. it's green, isn't it? It's, it's a green. green onyx, yeah. Green it's onyx. Absolutely yeah, beautiful. it's a gold, gold, another gold ring I only wear. That my family clubbed together and called it my solo mama ring. So actually all of my siblings, all of my sisters have got a version of this ring there's different everyone's got different stones but they sent me a lovely card with this tiger on the front saying yeah we're all you know we're all here for you because I'm the eldest of six I feel like in the more every morning I put on you know a bit of my dad's strength I keep my mum close get my solo mama strength and resilience and then I can I love the, day. the term solo mama because I was brought up by my mum who was a single parent mum mm-hmm. and she brought me up and it was, you know, back in the 70s, it was kind of harder, a lot harder. And it was just her on her own. My dad was living in America and it was me on my, you know, me and my mum and we're like bestest friends because of it. Oh. You know, it's, it's amazing how, you know, how much our, it's, it's affected our relationship and brought us together. Mm. But it was always like, oh, single parent mum, mm. single parent mum. And it was a kind of a real put down, to, mm. you know. Absolutely. And, but solo mama... I decided so that. I decided at really the beginning, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to be a single mother. I don't like the connotations of that. No. It doesn't, it feels a bit derogatory. Not, you know, obviously I don't feel like that. But all those amazing women out there. Mm. Um, no, I decided purposefully. I used to work in brand strategy and marketing, if you can tell. But I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be a solo mama. And I'm about to start a community called Solo Mamas Unite. Well, I think it should actually, be a thing. Yeah. I think there are so many incredible women yeah. out there that yeah. are doing it. And yeah. I just think... To make it sound like that sounds just, it, you know, I wish my mum had had that at the time, you know, it would have yeah. made her feel so much stronger. Yeah, I think these, I think this needs to be applied to a lot of the challenges that we face as women. It's the same with neurodiversity, you know, I hear people say, oh, I'm a little bit autistic because they don't want to be fully autistic because mm. there's still so much shame that is around yeah. that. Less so for ADHD, I see. And it's the same with being a single parent, you know, there's this shame and stigma and that's what I strive to do is to shine a light on these things that so many people will be going through and society has told us that we should feel ashamed about it and so we keep it in secret and of course we've been going through a loneliness pandemic really since way before covid we used to have a government minister for loneliness it was that bad and i think it's only worse now so any opportunity to i think use these unspoken issues as a way to unite people is, is my personal mission but i had a meeting this morning with together co oh yes and uh, we're creating a piece of jewelry for them oh. um, and they were talking about the loneliness yeah you know how how big an issue this is yeah like how lonely people are and it used to be that it was people of a certain age yeah 
and now it's across the board and it's young people and it's people working from home and yeah. however wonderful it is to be flexible and be able to work from home if you're working from home every day it's not a healthy environment no. for you and I just found it so interesting and I said to her is it more women than men is it mm. more men than women she said no it's everybody it's yeah. affecting everybody and mm. it's just something that we really need to again like everything mm. else that you're doing it's something we really need to look into and try and do something about and like you say where's that minister gone is yeah. there still a minister yeah it, not to or, my knowledge no <laughs> very interesting you know you're spending your time and your incredible energy bringing people together and connecting people but I'm interested what are your personal strategies for mm. as you said you know keeping your nervous system regulated mm. keeping you on the tracks what mm. do you what mm. what are your little rituals mm. that you have I realized some time ago in all my sessions the intention is to empower women with a knowledge mindset and toolkit to make a one percent change in their life and I like this idea of one percent because I feel like a lot of us are here and we want to be here but we just can't get started so if you make things smaller they feel more accessible Anyway, in that journey, I realised that 1% of your day is 15 minutes. So 1% of 24 hours is 15 minutes. But if you ask most busy women, can you just sit down without a screen, have 15 minutes on your own? Most of the women I know will go, no, I don't have time, you know. (laughs) So I try to make that time for myself in the morning. I've got a new morning ritual, actually, where I journal in the morning first thing. I like to get my dreams out or kind of brain dump. I did the art, part of the artist's way a while ago and she advocates for morning pages. I've learned how to medit- meditate in the last year and that has been life-changing. Like meditate not with a calm app or somebody else's voice in my head but actually centre my mental, physical, emotional and spiritual bodies as it were of different ways of knowing and understanding the world. And that has brought me a lot of sanity to be honest and solace. And then I'll try and throw some movement in. So I've, I now do a bit of running. Keep going back to couch. Keep getting injured and going back to couch to five k. <laughs> on the advice yeah. of the physio, I'm like, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> Fine, but I did it this morning, and you always feel better. Getting some nature and the sea swimming. Being in nature, that is a big yeah. thing. I've only really understood that in the last couple of years. Well, there's that thing about ground, getting, getting grounded, isn't there? About walking mm. in the garden yeah, and go, your... getting down to your bare feet. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've done that a couple of times and it does feel, you know, we're right in the middle of the city, but still just getting down, putting your feet into the grass feels I think, so nice. I think there's something really important as well about just going outside first thing in the morning. So I do, yeah. I do that 15-minute thing. I do ch- a qigong practice every yes. morning. But I stand outside my back door in my dressing gown and slippers and actually my my Christmas present request was for some Crocs fur-lined Crocs that I could wear they are the Sexy. ugliest <laughs> the ugliest <laughs> ever but I love them yeah it means I can put my dressing gown on and go straight outside and do my chagun amazing and they are they are a horrible kind of electric blue croc. Oh, you didn't even color. go for a nice. No, they, are, they, are, they are horrible. But I absolutely love them. But I think there's something very because you can get very tied up very first thing in the morning with your phone and messages and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And going outside and just looking at the sea, looking at the sky, hearing mm. the sea, hearing the birds, it kind of really puts a different filter on your day. Mm. Completely. It's supposed to really help your sleep as well to yeah. get sunlight in the first thirty minutes of the day. Yeah, um, Jess. You have a very oh, beautiful, yes. very cute little uh, <laughs> felt heart, which is grey on one side and yellow on the other side. Mm. Um, and this looks, this came out of your pocket with a lot of <laughs> tenderness on your face. Could you tell me, uh, yes. tell us where this is from? Yeah, this little heart is made by my sister Beth. So, as I said, I'm the eldest of six. There's five girls, one boy in my family. And Beth is the only one that's chosen adventure over 
the traditional life of marriage and kids and she currently lives on Christmas Island which is a tropical island off the coast of Australia but closer to Indonesia where they have red crab migration which is happening at the moment mm-hmm. and she's been a yeah pearl farmer off the west coast of Australia she's been a, a lighthouse housekeeper she's taught English in South Korea she's an extraordinary and she'll have to make a write a book or something Um, and she came when she last came home last year uh, she'd made she has a lot of crafts she can turn her hand to anything and uh, she brought us all these little hearts and and I keep one in my pocket sometimes like oh. and did she make them for she each made of you? them yeah oh she made them gosh, and made, I think she so made this for my kid actually but I've I've stolen it. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. And what's this lovely ring here in this ah, box? So this is a new ring. I just got at the weekend. My mum, very slyly, although I could tell because I have good intuitive <laughs> spidey powers, um, she asked us all for our ring sizes recently, pretending it was for my sister's 40th. But actually it was to get all of us girls a ring and my brother a, a bracelet with this love heart kind of not in it design in it and because she's you know going through chemotherapy at the moment it's her way of just tying us all together in love oh, i think um so what, a, what a lovely that must thing. have been quite a moving moment yes yeah really and how's she doing she's incredibly stoic yeah she's doing so well i'm super proud of her she's had a full hysterectomy and debulking surgery so that was pretty extreme back in october and tell us about 2024. What's in store for you yes, this year? Yes, yes. Oh, 2024 is going to... My word of the year is freedom. Because this year I am going to get divorced. Because wow. I've been separated for, for three years. And the ways I'm going to get there is through risk, intuition and space. That's what's going to... Yeah, so okay. I'm going to give myself space. Because I think we can get caught up in the busyness of life. And yep. I've realised that we need to just have a chance for introspection and, and to breathe risk because I was I've been kind of labeled risk averse as lots of women do actually um which isn't the case done some pretty crazy brave things in my time but I want to expand my comfort zone because I think that's where life happens and yeah intuition because I apparently as an ADHD you have a particularly good intuition um and I've been part of a spiritual business community for the last year and that's really helped me tune into mine to help guide me to make tricky decisions so yeah I, I, I will use all of those to figure out what happens next. Wow well I'm that's so wonderful Jess thank you so much for coming okay. on to share with your bits and sharing all your wonderful stories. Absolutely and we'll obviously share the links to womanhood yeah. and any other things that you are working on any projects yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah good luck I mean yeah. it sounds amazing and you're such an incredible woman so it's Aww. been a real honour to meet so you. Thank you so much thanks for having me appreciate it. What a joy to meet her. She was amazing. I think she should run the world. I think she should run the world. <laughs> She's wonderful. She should definitely get into British politics, though. She For is somebody sure. who is a real change maker. Yeah. And it was quite an honour to meet her. Wasn't it? Just that way that she has of bringing women together and empowering them and shining lights on subjects that really need talking about. And she's got me thinking about whether I have ADHD. I mean, between you... Between me and you, listeners, I mean, a feeling that Alice might be ticking some boxes. It might be a good thing. Being distracted by the squirrel that went past the window. (laughs) Well, who knows? But you know, you're wonderful as you are. Well, the point is that if I have, I still, I think it's um, a superpower. Yeah, good for you. So, So, 
have a wonderful week if you like thank you ever so much for listening if you like this episode please do like share follow rate and, and tell all your friends tell all your us. friends and so until next time have a great week and we'll see you soon ta-ra ta